Welcome to The New Exchange, a podcast series that explores how everyone has a story to tell. My name is Ken Grandpierre, and this is The Off Season, a series of talks I've been releasing on the road to Season 6. Funnily enough, this is the last episode before the unveiling of Season 6. The reason for all this lead-up is that the next season of the podcast is going to be vastly different than what I've done before. I'm excited about it, but also terrified to fuck. But in a funny way, getting to do these off-season talks has been a great form of reinforcement as to my why. It's reminded me of why I love doing this podcast, which ultimately is to connect with people who are living different lives than me. People who've learned lessons I've yet to learn myself, and all in the name of art. This episode you're about to hear highlights that beautifully. My guest is Nottingham-based singer-songwriter Yasmin Lacey. It's mentioned pretty early on in the episode, but I fell in love with Yasmin's music from seeing her live here in Brooklyn. If I close my eyes, I could still remember the vibe of the room, especially the sense of a room full of strangers being strikingly present. That sentiment is echoed brilliantly throughout her debut album, Voice Notes, a body of work that takes the tonality of R&B, jazz, soul, and electronica, and elevates it to something completely new. When you listen to the album, it's clear that Yasmin understands that her biggest strength is her ability to be direct with her thoughts and feelings, her ability to paint vivid pictures that put you right in the scene. Within The Guardian's five-star review of the album, they mentioned that there's so much to love and savor. And it's strikingly true, this is the kind of album that aims to be a companion to your day. So what was it like to make it? What was it like for Yasmin to be open with her feelings and allow the world in on her musings, her insecurities, and her doubts? Well, that's largely what we explore today, along with having a bunch of laughs. It has to be said, Yasmin Lacey is funny as fuck, and getting to chat with her was a real gift. Before we get into it, you should know that I recently started a radio show called New Exchange Radio. It's an extension of the podcast that features me chatting about songs that I love, playing them live, and having on my super talented friends as my guests. You can find those special radio broadcasts within the feed for this very podcast over on Spotify. Be sure to subscribe on the app you're listening to this on and to also rate and leave a review over on Apple Podcasts. Those ratings help us independent creatives in a big way, so if you like what you hear, do let me know about it. This is the new exchange of Yasmin Lacey. Enjoy. I have to say, Yasmin, I am feeling absolutely fucking blessed that I got to be chatting with you today. Oh, thank you for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, I I was at your gig um in Brooklyn at Come On Everybody, right? And um, oh my gosh, that was one of my favorites. I I had a feeling. I was hoping so because it was a vibe. Yeah, like I mean, talk about a special night. And you know, I I normally like to talk about gigs at like the latter portion of the talks that I do, but um, I'd love to explore that night for a second because as someone who was in the crowd, it was wild to me how present everybody was like how much it felt like the people were truly Mm. there and engaged and wanted to be part of what was going on in the room and I wonder for you as the person on stage is that how it felt as well yeah sometimes that's even overwhelming as well especially when you're far from home because you're like okay and then it's like you're singing a song that's slightly more chilled and I'm like oh shit like everyone's like really listening you know what I mean like um (laughs) but it's really it's really beautiful I felt like it was really lovely and people sort of even knew the new stuff. And I, I think it only been out like a couple of weeks. And I don't know, it just feels, it just feels really special, really special. Like, yeah, it made me well up, to be honest. That's how I felt like afterwards. I was like, ah, oh, you know. <laughs> no, it makes a lot of sense to me that you would feel that way in the context of a show like that, because like you said, being far from home and you, um, Am I right to think that you were in New York on a, like on the way to South by Southwest? Like it was like before or after that? Uh, it was just after, yeah. Yeah, holy shit. And I mean, talk about, was that your first time in Texas as well? Like? Yeah, Texas is wild, boy. It was just like, <laughs> I was the fucking musicians running around being musicians, which comes with whatever it comes with. But um, I really liked it. South by Southwest was a trip, man. I'm just, I'm just soaking it all in. Like it's so nice to be able to go to places you've never been because I, I love going away anyway but then also to go through your art is like super special and you always get to see loads of music and meet other artists um yeah it was a vibe I, I didn't really know what to expect because I'd never been before I'd only like heard 
heard about it. Like, I know what it is, but, you know, but I had a really, really good time. Yeah, and, like, I haven't been to South By in a while, but I remember the last times that I've went, it does have that similar thing as, like, that Brooklyn show, the element of people being present. Like, and I mean, if you just think about the last few years, right, the way we've had to live and everything, the fact that there's kind of, like, that desire for those moments, it's just, like, it really means something, doesn't it? Yeah, I think I think people like the last. First of all, I don't think we actually can truly deep the effects that the last few years have had on everybody's mental capacity just yet. Like I feel like people, it feels only normal again now, and I think that there is an appreciation that people want to be outside and they want to be listening to something around other people. You know, like there's a little bit more appreciation there, which is cool, and. Also, when it was all of that stuff going on, the one thing that you can't do is live music and there's nothing better, like whatever, like, you know, whatever record you love to listen to it live is just like, ah. So yeah, it's nice to be outside again. <laughs> oh my God, it really is. But before I get to like more of the questions that I had, I want like, before you hit the record, you brought up how you just came back from Brazil. I went for the first time for like Christmas and New Year's, like just this past like December, January, like what was... Amazing. Yeah, that was my first time. I reckon it was your first time too. I went to um, Sao Paulo and somewhere else in the countryside about four or five years ago. We played two shows, one in Sao Paulo, which blew my mind. But I mean, it's super in and out. You're in, play the show, you're out. This time we played Sao Paulo again and I didn't have any time to sort of go around. But we went to Rio and I had like a little bit of time there. Rio is a vibe, like what <laughs> all, i'm jealous of you oh uh, it was so fun like the thing about brazil is i just feel like music is very much a way of life there for everyone like it's just like it's very important to them culturally and everyone goes in like we went to this little bar and everyone was singing in there you know like i, I don't know how it is in brooklyn but like Sometimes in London, everyone can be a bit too stush, a bit too cool for school. And it's like, just sing the song, man, enjoy yourself. And in Brazil, it felt very much like everyone was just like there to have a good time. Oh, that's cool. I really, really want to go back. The time that you went, like January, February, is carnival time. So that's when I'd like to go back. Yeah, yeah. I was there right up until that started. And like, I was mostly, I was in Sao Paulo a bit, but I was mostly in this island outside, like, uh, I want to say it's, what was it? It's like a two-hour plane ride from Sao Paulo further down called Foranópolis. And it's pretty much like the Venice beach of Brazil, essentially. Okay, like so okay. Loads yeah. of hippies and that. But it was great. I loved it. And, like, the people there really just, they really cared about making you feel welcome. I think, like... Yeah, for real. Yeah, because it's just, like, regardless of where you're coming from, it's, like, it's a commitment to go. And I think the people there really understand that. Like, Yeah, yeah. I felt that, actually. They're very loving, very welcoming, very friendly, very helpful. It's nice. Uh, really funny sort as well. And, um, you know, something that was wild to me about, you know, just going back to the Brooklyn show for a second. Oh, by the way, you said you didn't know if people in Brooklyn would be out here singing. You were here long enough to know it's almost similar to London. Like, like people here yeah, did a little too cool yeah, for school yeah. thing as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, going back to that show, um, it's actually pretty wild. I think I DM'd you about this after the show because it's something like I've been working shows for like years now like working like in the music industry and all that and going into different concerts and that uh for a little bit over a decade but somehow i've uh never brought my younger sister to a show and your show at come on everybody was the first time i brought my sister i'm 32 and she's 27 and yeah it was really nice getting to experience that nice and she liked it Oh, she fucking loved it. Yeah, she looks like the. Be really awkward if you're like, actually, she had a shit time. Like, we had to go home immediately after. She's never coming out with me again. <laughs> no, you know what it is. It's like she she's someone who finds she might be listening. But I don't fucking care. I'll say it. she's someone who finds New York City like a little bit like intimidating. Yeah. So she like lives in like the suburbs, and uh, it was a thing where like when she went to the show. I think she said something like it felt like a movie almost like the walking in and then like the haziness of the lights and all that stuff. And it's like <laughs> for you and I, it's like we take it for granted. Like when she said it was like really like, oh, fuck, I'm like here right now. Oh, that's how it felt for me. And then the bra, someone chucked the bra and I was looking at this one guy in the front and he knew every single word. And I was just like, this is trippy <laughs> yeah. possible way we were stood by some girl by some women who are like uh on the on the wall like on the left side and i remember like every time you went into like some bantering bit there was like these two women who would go like 
get it, girl. Yeah, girl. Like they were like, <laughs> I love it. This is what I mean. I, I love it. I feel like I love that interaction at shows. You know what I mean? It doesn't happen everywhere, but yeah, I love it. And it's just, it's so encouraging, you know, like it is still a weird thing to me to go in a room or a space and get on the stage and then you face everyone who's facing you expecting something. It's kind of mad still. So it's just like the, the when people talk back, I'm like, oh, okay, we're family in here now. <laughs> yeah. And it's really like, you know, in a lot of ways, and we're about to get into it in the context of the album, it's really mad when you consider what this album is, how it was made, and like just the things you're talking about. Because this album, Voice Notes, yeah, it's really, it's really something else, I have to say, honestly. Like hand on heart. Thank you. Of course, yeah. And when I listened to it, when I listened to it for the first time, right? I felt like I heard an interesting intersection of a person who was doing everything with intention while also allowing themselves the space to not overthink things, which I think like in any time in life is really hard. But now in the context of just like the way life comes at people so fast and the way you're kind of forced to live so fast, it makes it more difficult to do. And I wonder, does that contrast ring true to you, like both in how the album was made and how it kind of sounds to you? Yeah, I think definitely I'm someone who tries to do something with intention. But also one thing I've just found doing music it is so, I, I, mean, I mean, it's just a roller coaster. Like you, you have to like surrender to the process and like all its ups and downs because, you know, as much as intention is, there's still everything else around it um I made a promise to myself you know because for, for as an artist I think like well most artists that are there for the music anyway the process is the most important thing so actually it's like something different when it comes out when it comes out I just made a promise to myself like I just want to be present and I can surrender to things going the other way but my intention is to exactly what you're saying try not to overthink it and enjoy it because it's like I don't want you know I'm going halfway around the world before it's even July and I don't want it to pass me by because my mind is overactive or I'm focusing on the wrong things or I'm trying to control it all too much you know I'm just enjoying the ride right now (laughs) just having a good time I, I, I love hearing that like I feel like that can only allow you to just not to be oversimplified, but just like write better songs. Because at the end of the day, that's what the trajectory should be, that you should just be living a life that's facilitating better songwriting as opposed to like, you know, like we're not like necessarily dancing around it, but to just like put a like a light on what we're kind of talking about. Like you could be overthinking like fucking numbers or show six, eight months from now or like fucking impressing this guy here at this party or this woman at this party. And it's like, at the end of the day, like, what is all that shit for, like, right? I know. And the thing is, I am definitely, I will hold my hands up and say, it is something I struggle with. I'm, I work at it constantly to not get in that frame of mind where I think. But also, making music has been a great way to get over that. Because I was like, someone was saying to me the other day, like, how do you feel? Like, it's so personal, the album. Like, do you feel scared about putting it out there? And I'm like, obviously. Like, I was shitting myself. <laughs> um, actually, the night before the show... But the night before it came out, I played a show just for my friends and family and stuff and everyone that works on a record. And I'm so glad because if I'd been left to my own devices, I would have been climbing the walls at the thought I was going to just tell everybody my personal business on this album and it's going to drop it. <laughs> I would have hated it. Do you know what I mean? There's only so many glasses of wine that can actually block that out. So it's just like, <laughs> I was really glad that I kept busy. But one thing I've learned in all the overthinking that I do do is you know when you come out of that overthinking or like da, 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 or the worrying about being vulnerable and all of that and you feel okay nothing has changed it, you still said the same thing so then I realize it's all in the mind I just try and like curb it a bit and also part of me is just like oh fuck it like I never came here to be like I fell into music and it's led me in a beautiful thing and like what's anyone gonna say oh that's shit like so what like (laughs) you know what I mean I'm having a great time and more time what I do find with vulnerability is that when you are the one that is vulnerable if I go somewhere and I've had a glass of wine or I just talk sometimes and I just say all of the things that are on my mind which is sometimes a bit cringy but whenever I do that or like in the songs I actually feel like it opens a gateway for everyone else to say that I'm just human. Like all the things I'm talking about, we've all experienced 
love or wanting to be loved. We've all experienced fear. We've all experienced jealousy. We've all experienced making a mistake. We've all experienced feeling a bit lost. We've all experienced loss. So these are the things that make us human, actually. There's nothing to be scared of, you know? You, you, I feel like you just beautifully conveyed something that I try to, that just kind of inadvertently comes up a lot in these talks that I do about like how I feel like the functionality that like art and music has in the context of our lives. It's that I think like musicians and artists allow us to figure out how we feel. And the way you describe it as a door, that's exactly what I think as well. It's like, sometimes I listen to a song and I'll think like, fuck, I didn't know I felt that way. But I now I But babe, know. listen, this is a trick for me. Sometimes I'll be writing that shit and I'm like, I didn't know I felt like that. <laughs> sometimes I like, it's honestly, sometimes it's, that's why I'm more, the more I do it, the more powerful I realize, not even for everyone else to appreciate, but for me personally to find a way to express myself or to make sense of my feelings is mad. Like bad company is a real turning point in my life to be like, okay, you obviously have some issues with insecurity here, babes, but it's okay. Like that's human. And nothing is like a permanent state of mind, you know? So making a character out of it and being able to laugh at myself took some of the seriousness and the weight out of that, you know? And Flylo tweet, you know, it, it, I am talking specifically about music, but there was a lot of stuff going on in my life where I was talking about as a friend, talking about to my friend, the decisions that I was making in my life. But yeah, I just think that, Sometimes I just be writing this stuff and I'm like, rah, I didn't actually, oof, you know, like, oh, okay. Then I like listen to the song back or we listen to like the demo back and I'm like, oh, that's how I feel. Uh, it's mad that we're not actually taught so much. Maybe now more so, but I'm I'm 35, like uh, so. It, when I was growing up, it was it was it was less concentrating like on working through your feelings and stuff like that and like feeling everything and you know like all this stuff it wasn't really about that like when I was growing up so it's just like wow what what a what a space to be in to find this way that I can let my feelings out and sometimes I think oh god you write a lot of bleak stuff and then I'm like but it's not because it's transformative once it goes pen to paper you know like it's not that anymore and so yeah, I love it, but sometimes I yeah, it's I surprise myself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think like what you're speaking to is like how crucial it is that this doesn't exist in a vacuum. Because what you said there about like how you know we're not taught how to deal with our emotions, it's like I, that's always on my fucking mind. I'm at that place in my life too as well, where I'm just like, you know, I've done all right at this bit of just like not thinking about how I feel so much, but. If I'm gonna exist on this planet longer, maybe I should actually figure out how to do that. And it's yeah, maybe mad. we should tap in. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should like understand, like, why the fuck do I feel that way? It's kind of <laughs> insane. But yeah, it's like, fuck, it's like these things don't exist. I think I think part of like the way the world is different now versus to when we grew up is just like we understand now that emotions don't exist in a vacuum. They just don't. Mm -hmm. And it's good to, you know, take note of them. It's good to oh, I am feeling like this and that's okay. You know, like that's, yeah, that's where I'm at, basically. It's a good place to be. Do you want to attempt to guess my favorite song off the album? Uh, uh, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Part of me wants to be like, it's late night people. But then, is it? <laughs> it is. You're giving late night people energy. Is, that's yeah. why. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I live in fucking New York. I hope I would, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. The home of the latest of night people. Well, like, okay, I'm happy you guessed it because like, I, I wanted to, uh, to bring this song up. I wanted to bring it up and to just talk to you about it quite at length because like, I am so happy I got to ask you about this one. It's like it's a really special song. I mean, first off, how wild is it that you've essentially created a lo-fi anthem? I mean, hats off to you. That's kind of mad. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. And like, Honestly, like this song is so poignant and it, it means a lot to me because lyrically you're highlighting how so many people who create, whether it be art or content or, you know, whatever, do so in the latter portions of the evenings while most people are asleep. Like a lot of the times people can only steal hours away from the day after. Yes. Yeah. Having like a work day or taking care of someone. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Like, so. That's been my reality, honestly, for as much as I've been an adult. And I'm sure it's been for many who've heard the song, many for who are listening. 
so seriously thanks for making that one yeah thank you thank you and you, you've got it right in a nutshell it, it everyone that i worked with on this album is a late night people some people say oh you know i don't go out like clubbing it's like it's not fucking about clubbing it's about <laughs> very much that like you know to this one thing i learned about you know like i've only just moved into a space where i don't have another job like you know so a lot of the first music that I made was definitely in the late hours because there wasn't any other time, you know what I mean? And there's a quiet and a privacy at the nighttime where you can get to express yourself. Also, it's kind of a mentality late night people in a sense that like, one thing about everyday life, yeah, and this kind of system like Sims world that we're kind of living in, yeah, <laughs> is that, uh, it's definitely not there to um, give us these spaces. It's it's not there. Like it, it's not. That's not how the world is set up. You know, in in the societies that we live in. So if we don't learn to snap, like vigilantly, like quite aggressively, snatch those moments back, then I don't know what the fuck we're doing. To be honest with you, and it's a mentality in terms of one thing about me is no matter what. This isn't like I'm not a late night person because of music. Like I came to music at 28. I've been being a late night person for a hot minute. And <laughs> it's just <laughs> I think it's because finding people that are on the same rhythm as you. I think even as black people, sometimes it's like every in everyday life, everyday space, not always making space. So making space, making that space, you know, like uh for myself also it just it just always excites me what happens at night time as well it just feels like i'm a cheeky person it just excites me that kind of energy and i think there is something like if we go back 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 before our say musically like moving in spaces with strength like with people to music is actually a very spiritual experience it's not it's not like a wishy-washy you know like oh we're just in the club like it's important you know and feeling music like you know if you go somewhere it's got a sound system or whatever feeling that like is like that's what our ancestors were doing time and time ago this ain't nothing new They're pouring out libations and stuff like that this isn't new things this is a practice that we may be losing sometimes so i feel like it's important to it's revolutionary actually to snatch those moments back to find time to create to be connected to people that are on the same rhythm as you you know there's there's so much of what you said that really correlates to what my experience has been i think the experience of like loads of people who are listening honestly because like you know you brought up the element about being black and it's like i've worked in like offices like loads throughout my adult life and like i've had experiences where it's like you know you just have that general consistent posturing and I've had it where like on lunch breaks, I'll go hide away somewhere to like edit some photos or whatever. So that way I and then that's like me stealing some hours for myself. Yeah. And then in the evening when I was doing that, it was like, oh, I'm like able to be the fullest version of myself away from the world. And it's like, you're right. There's many ways this world, I think, especially in the context of Western society. And if you think about like America yeah. and Britain comparatively, it's yeah. like they're not set up for you as an individual to be your best self to even be an individual yeah to even be an individual i was gonna say your best self but really it's how you to be a fucking person yeah 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 it's yeah I, i'd love to explore something specific with you about late night people though there's a reason why i brought it up because what's interesting to me about it is how being in that creative flow during the late night hours can make you feel very solitary and lonely just by the very nature of what it is so I wanted to know when and how do you feel like you knew this song would click with people? Like, did you have an experience or conversations where you found yourself thinking like, oh, I'm not by myself in this? Like, no. Do you want me to be really honest with you? Yeah, fuck you. First of all, I don't really think about what anyone else is going to think about it until I didn't think about that as an album until I played the album back as a whole when I first started making the album and I was thinking about what people I didn't make anything for months because it's not the way to enter the creative process what when we had this session uh I'm quite shy in the studio sometimes and I find that's Priscilla in action and I find it hard to just be like yo this is this is what I'm gonna so we were jamming and I was like this is hard like this let's stay on this let's loop this and uh there was a mic and everyone was like yes do you want to 
you're saying something. Do you want to go on the mic? And I was like, I'm good. I'm good with my, and I was just like here on my phone, just like singing the melody. Uh, and I wouldn't finish. I had late night people came instantly on that minute we were playing that bit. I was like, this is it. This is it. This is late night people. But I went home to think about truly what that meant. And when I wrote it, I actually wrote it really quickly after the session. And I just, I just, wouldn't I just would not send it to anybody I get joke about it with um Dave like because it's like he's like oh, I can't wait to hear you know like how you finesse the thing and I just sat on it for months I was playing it to myself I was having a whale of a time with that song but I, just, <laughs> I felt like oh you know like is this cheesy like to talk about that is this important do other people think this is important I think it's important and then what was your was your hesitance like sorry not to stop it i was just gonna say do you feel like your hesitance was that you would say that phrase out loud and someone would be like what the fuck does that even mean like someone would like I don't know. yeah exactly like what does that mean do people get it i know that my friends would get it and then i just went with what you go i, I also am a big believer in going with what most of the ideas that I go with will be the first ones. I might go around and about, but I'll come back to the first one. And that was it. I said, well, it doesn't matter if anybody else knows what late night people is. If you don't, I'm trying to tell you in a song. And it's sometimes just the phrase encapsulates it. And I, I knew it was right because I don't tend to finish things that I don't feel with my heart. And I really felt this one with my chest. When I came back and I uh, like played it to everybody, they were like, only you could encapsulate this. Like, this is so, like, they really loved it. And they were like, I totally get it. And I was like, oh, phew. Um, you know, I think like-minded people will get it because they are late night people. And yeah, and then I was just like, yeah. But sometimes as well, I hold on to songs just because it's a really precious amount of time where it's just me in that moment of creation. After that, you know, it's going out there. So sometimes it's just that. Oh, that's really special. Like, and you know, honestly, like I could definitely understand where like that, like those thoughts would come from. But I even think about it in the context of like, like obviously we're talking about like creating, but I even think about someone who's like maybe a nurse who enjoys cooking and like when she does, he or she doesn't have like, you know, or they doesn't have like shifts. They just like, you know, can only cook randomly at 2 a.m. or some shit like that. Like I imagine yeah. there's so many... <laughs> Little things like 100%. that. 100%. And, and I'm so glad you said that because it isn't just about going out. It is just, you know, I mean, I used to go out for many days in a row at one stage in my life. I can't really do it anymore because uh, it the recovery time for me. <laughs> hey, we're talking we're talking on a Wednesday and I'm bloody recovering on something from a Saturday. So I get you. <laughs> That's what I mean. That's what I mean. But I think that, you know, that also looks like for a lot of people you know people that are in different countries and then the time that marries that they can talk on the phone is at late night or if you're a parent and you know like you've got your own thing going on but it's like by the time you've done the kids bath time routine reset the house done the lunches for tomorrow clean up the thing sort yourself out that's a late night person if you get to listen to one song before you go to bed or you have a spiff or a cigarette or a glass of wine once before you go to bed, or they might just do their yoga before. It's it's just also it's for people that don't don't feel like they can be liberated in everyday life. And you might just have one moment in the evening where you get to put on something that makes you feel like yourself, or you might get to behave in a way that makes you feel like this is the truest version of yourself. So it's definitely, you know, and if you've ever worked a night job as well, it's a weird energy when you work nights, you know, and it's like you make your day out of the night and your night is the day. And it's just, it's all of those things. Yeah, I've had that experience as well, working night jobs. And yeah, it's mad. And uh, I want to ask about another song. By the way, thank you for like going so deep within that, like in the context of that song, because Late Night it is a great bloody song. So I appreciate that massively. And um, I want to talk to you about, I want to talk to you about your track Legacy because that's another standout on the album for me and it's it's interesting with that because talk about a word that carries a lot of weight regardless of how you slice it and I but when I listened to it I was uh struck by how reflective it this one was and mm. 
I'm curious, what do you like lyrically over the course of the song? What do you feel is the conversation that's happening? Because I feel like it's quite a poignant one. I think, uh, you know, my nanny died years ago now. It's actually quite a few years ago. But I think as you get older, and uh, lots of my friends were having families, losing, losing family members. This one is really about, it's the deepest in the fact that it definitely changed my family dynamics when my nan wasn't here anymore. And in the absence of someone, you realised just, just how much weight they had, you know, their ability to, like, I was deeping about, like, my nan came over to the UK from Antigua and created this whole thing where now what I do is, like, go and sing shows in places like Brooklyn. Like, that's her legacy, you know? I think as children uh, from the di- children of the diaspora, children of immigrants, like that is a legacy in itself, you know, not because I'm doing music and I'm on the stage, but the going down of the generations and what, you know, we're talking about, you know, how to be vulnerable and process our em- emotions. And I'm coming from a group of people that, you know, for my nan, a lot of stuff would have been about survival and making, and, you know, just going from one to the other. And that's not my existence anymore. That's a legacy, you know? And I just think that it was important to mark that. Also, there was this feeling of like, she never actually got to see me sing. When I first started singing, I was so shy about it. I didn't actually want my family to come. And also they were just like, oh, what's she doing? Oh, she's, Yaz is doing something, you know, late night, whatever. And I suppose this was my way of tying those two lifetimes together. I am her legacy. This work is her legacy and the imprint that she's left. And, you know, I was thinking about my family. You know, my cousin has a little, like, I've got nieces and nephews. And just, just, just what that means, like, just that, it just amazes me, you know, that we are tied to what was before because of her. And she is also tied to the future because of us. I think it's really special and I just wanted to pay homage. And I think that, yeah, that, that's basically it really. And it is, it is a term that carries a lot of weight. And it also made me think about, you know, people talk about success and this kind of shit all the time as, as, as legacy, you know, I'm going to have a million houses. That's a legacy. I'm going to have, you know, a six figure business. That's a legacy. A legacy, I think, you know, one of the favorite things about my nan is just the way that, how different the world that she left was compared to when she entered it and how she navigated that, that's a legacy. She actually learned to read and write, my nan, at, uh, I think she was like 70 odd. You know, she's got like, and it's just like, that's a legacy as well. It's, it's, she's just, uh, it's a, just a good reminder of, you're never too old and like this life is for the living and you know, like, and you're never sure of how the, actions that we take will then ripple on you know like when like I was literally thinking about this when we played in a church my nan loved the church and uh I was just like this would blow her fucking mind do you know what I mean it'll be like she'll be like Yasmin so you're just going around and just singing and just going on planes and holiday and I'll be like yeah and then it like it would blow her mind and I just thought (laughs) I just thought it was important to mark where I'm coming from as a person and artistically in that you know it really like that's so beautiful and like i don't want to like overly simplify but if i think about just the start of this yeah we're talking about like intention and just like how that intersection comes into play like talk about a beautiful way of being able to recognize that in the context of your life it's not about me but we like that type of thing Mm -hmm. like it's you Mm -hmm. know to actually live it as well like yeah yeah that's something else. Your nan would be fucking proud. Like, I think she would be so proud. Yeah, I think she'd be fucking stoked as fuck. And like, <laughs> honestly, like Yasmin, yeah, like I, so I want to make something clear. I hate the comparison game. So that's not what this bit is about. So just so you know, but I have to say when I heard <laughs> voice notes from like top to bottom, like the album, I heard, I felt like what I definitely heard was someone who loves uh, Lala Halfaway someone who loves Erica Badu, <laughs> someone who loves Bilal, and someone who loves Robert Glasper. And I feel like you can't hide that from me. Right? Uh, I think you can't. I think that my... Because, because you get asked a lot about your musical inspirations, which I find difficult as a question because I never felt 
about musical inspirations until long after I started doing music and people were asking me that, you know, I'm just a music lover really. And I started, I think I put up my first record when I was 27, 28. So there was a long chunk of my life. I'm not really looking to, to those people as inspirations, but when I look back at like significant mu musical moments that may have brought me to where I am, you know, my brother, my brother's dad uh, was American. So it's like, he's like my half brother or whatever. And, he, my brother was a real, like, he's a music head. Like, sometimes I think he should have been the one doing music. <laughs> but um, <laughs> he listened to a lot of American music. And I think I can remember times where looking maybe for inspiration or role models. And he presented people like Leila Halfway and Erica Badu and Jill Scott, especially as a way to how to know how to be a woman which sounds weird but it's just like you know looking to music for these lessons in life or how to feel or how to feel empowered that whole soul Quarians vibe is very much something that like my brother would have been playing so much so so I think it's definitely seeped in and I think that it's not a game necessarily of copycat because I've never tried to sing in a particular way but I just know they all feel really, all of those musicians, what they do feels really natural. Like it just rolls out. I suppose that's the way I want to do it. Also heavily influenced by reggae and lovers rock. And it always feels like, the, you know what I mean? That's a long jam that someone's pulled up and said that night how they're feeling. And that's how I've been forever doing it. So yeah, definitely can't hide from that. And I, to be honest, I'm not into the comparison game either, but it's very flattering when those are the things that people draw. Like, it's like, if that's what you hear, then I'm okay with that. Well, well, I have to say, I have to say, you actually jumped in before I could ask the question, which I don't mind. It's a podcast after all, so it's so fun. But there was a reason why I brought those names up because I, I wasn't going to correlate it to influence, but I do appreciate the story about your brother because it does give a lot of context. But in relation to those names, yeah, and correlation to everything you said, like, I'm more fascinated to know that when you do hear those names and you think about the projects they've done and just like, like, you know, kind of poignantly of how you said how they're artists who very much go about their art in their own way without considering what you should do. It's just in terms of feeling when you hear those names, what are the feelings that are conjured within you? Because I imagine they must be quite important or like significant, or at least even if it's something like passing, like I imagine it means something. Yeah. What if people say those names about the music or? Like when you hear like the name Erica Badu, how do you feel? Like as simple as that. Like. I'm like, when I hear like Erica and Jill, I'm just like, oh, the aunties. Like they feel like the mums, like the, the aunties, like just from, yeah, I find them uh, incredibly empowering. I just think they're dope as fuck. Like, and they also... It's just they do that doing things in their own way, I think, is the thing that stands out just because so much of like there's so much music, you can consume so much music in this day and age, it comes so thick and fast. Like, there's so, actually too much to catch up with. I feel like they are timeless, what they're talking about. I would still listen to it in the same way and still get the same feeling as I would like 10 years ago. And yeah, I just, in some ways, I feel like, yeah, I don't know, they're just classic. Like, yeah are you touring in july in july i um what am i doing oh a few festivals here in the uk oh yeah the reason i bring it up is maybe you could attempt to come to new york because erica badu just announced she's doing two shows at the garden with uh yasin Be. i saw those i'm actually seeing uh i mean where i might see her in the uk in september because we're playing the same festival oh yeah is, is she doing all points is it which festival she doing? Yeah, it's something like that. Oh, I should probably know the name. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, we're in April, so that's all right. No one's going to blame you. Yeah, we've got, we got time. time to figure it out. <laughs> uh, by the way, I have to say, I think it's really cool that you still rep uh, Nottingham because I love London. I grew up a bit in London. I love it a lot. And it's a second home to me. But it's always important to note that a place like that, and also this goes to New York as well to me, they're not the only places you can make music or be inspired by music. and yeah it's important yeah I think as well like I always say it because I think it's important for 
people to also to also navigate people to look outside of those places all the time. Everyone's like, you've got to play New York, you've got to play London, that's how you make it, boom, boom, boom. But also monarchs to that, like, I don't think I would have even started making music if I wasn't in Nottingham because it was a real safe space uh, on a smaller scale, I think, to experiment. London is so saturated, I feel like, if you're not turning up as the package, people are a bit like, what's this, you know what I mean? So I had the space to grow a little bit and it encouraged me to keep growing in front of people because there is this idea that you have to be a fully fledged artist before you even put something out. And I, I, I don't think that's true. And I think that you can grow in front of people, you know, uh, if you want to. So, yeah, Nottingham is a real special place. And all of these other pockets around, you know, there are that you said, there's lots of artistry everywhere, yeah. you know. And, you know, I want to kind of like talk a bit more about Nottingham within that context, because, you know, there is this lazy way that music writers will ask about like scenes in cities and countries that I kind of dislike. But I'd give I'll give some context of why I think it exists. And that's not what I'm going to ask you. But I'm just going to give context. It's like I think a lot of the times people ask that because they're genuinely ignorant to the ongoings of other places outside of their like, you know, everyday life. So. With that said, I'm curious how you would describe the artists around you in Nottingham. Like, is there a sense of like, not necessarily a scene, but community when it comes to musicians there that you feel like you've witnessed or have been a part of? I think that, listen, every, every, every art form is going to have its cliques, you know, and the things that it's like, oh, do you know this person? Do you know this person? Blah, blah, blah. I feel like when you're in a smaller place like Nottingham, the people I had around me it made it very easy to just create, which is at the centre of what we should all be fucking doing if you call yourself an artist, is, is about expression, not about, you know, the events and the pictures and the knowing so-and-so and all this nepotism bollocks. It's like, <laughs> it, you know what I mean? Because it does exist. If you want to be real, it does exist a lot. But in Nottingham, I think that there was just this small enough that there is crossovers. I mean, there's crossovers everywhere. I'm not even slating London like that, but it's just like, it seems like it can be a place where it's less, it's like, if you are interested in music and you're passionate and you're willing to work in Nottingham, you can work with people, you know, and it's kind of just like that. Um, big indie music kind of scene there, I will say when I first moved there, but there are pockets of like soul and R&B that are grassroots that really support those things. And that's, you know, I started playing some of those and it's small enough to meet lots of people. So there's like some organizations like MIM in Nottingham, which is, it actually was a, a shop, like a menswear shop of local designers, but they also used to do compilations. And I found, in fact, the MIM compilation is how I found Mellow Zed to make the album. I found a song of his that I can't remember the name of it, but Mim put out a compilation literally like, I don't know, like seven, eight years ago. And I like hit him up on social media, started following him. And then we like chat over the years once I started making music, we should work together, we should work together. And then it never really happened. And then uh, it did when it, we come around the album, but it's just, it zooms in on those kind of things, you know, in a smaller place. And I think, if you're coming from a place that is outside of London, it makes you want to champion the artist from there so much because you know you have to. You know what I mean? Because you're you're like it's like a it's like you're tiny in comparison to big London. So you really like champion the artist from there because you want people to hear what you're shouting about. You know? Yeah. You know what I think you're really speaking to. I mean, you've said it, but I would just like to like phrase it as well, like rephrase it a little bit. Is that I think it's interesting, like how even though places like New York, because New York has this too, even though we're talking about London, New York has this a lot. A lot of the times us New Yorkers, we kind of push it on as a Los Angeles thing, but no, we do it too, where it's like, <laughs> there, there, there's this element that people go out and about, and even if they are genuinely artists, because there are genuinely artists here, they, they kind of want to be perceived as such, like they want to be seen as artists. And I feel like in smaller cities, it's like, no, I just do it. I don't care. If yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah very that <laughs> yeah yeah you know you brought up social media there and before I get to the last question I did want to bring something up and I rarely ever do this because I'm a 32 year old man so there's no reason to do this but uh did I see that right that you're mates with Jesse Ware yeah yeah because I think I saw you two commenting on each other's stuff on Instagram and I was like oh fuck that's a I'm a big Jesse Ware fan though well the, the link with Jesse I met her 
when I started making the album, which was really, really lovely. And I was kind of like, oh my fucking God, like, am I playing a game with Jesse Ware? Because Dave <laughs> produced, um, Dave Akumu, who executive produced my album, he also worked with Jesse Ware's first album. They made, a, you know, a lot of music together. And then Dave was like, oh, you know, I'm playing this gig, like you should come and jump on. Um, you know, Jesse's, play- and I was like, sorry, what? In my, I mean, I kept, <laughs> in my head, I was like, fucking what? Like, Jesse's, play- oh my gosh, oh my gosh. Um, and it was really nice. Immediately when I met her, I was just like, oh, she's a vibe. And we had a really cool chat and she was really encouraging. And it, I think it's always really nice to speak to other women in the industry who have managed to do this for so many years because it is such a trip and it's so up and down. I'm just like half the time, how has your nervous system coped with this? Like, tell me the tricks of the trade. And we just chatted about like music and just life really. She's super down to earth. She's a good giggle. And so we met then and we've just been staying in touch since. Yeah. I have such respect for her. Like, cause I've seen her live here in New York pretty much I think since the first time she's ever come. And like, it's mad where it's like, she's at a great place now. But not only has she's had up and downs in her career, but she's been very vocal and like open about it. Where I think, unfortunately, or fortunately, depending how some people say, I think it's unfortunate. There's so many people who try so hard to hide the struggles they go through the music industry to always appear like they're fucking killing it. And I think someone like Jesse, you can connect with the music more because you know she's been through stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. I think it is. I understand why people don't. I have thought about that, you know, how much I would share about what I find difficult doing this because also there's an element of protection of one like of yourself, you know. Like I feel like I mean I've quite kind of told you quite a lot of stuff about my life, like interviews, that album. I just want to keep some stuff back. Um also everyone that is gonna hear what you're doing isn't necessarily your friend or supporter or a well wisher. So sometimes it's just like keep your shit tight. Uh, but also, I think that touch wood, I don't want to jinx myself, but the ups and downs are up and down, but I've worked with the same people for a long time. So in that immediate sense, there's quite a lot of security there. Also, I'm independent, you know, so that comes with a lot more, it, it comes with a lot of struggle, but I can steer some of what I'm doing a lot more than if I was with a major, you know. Which might, again might change. There's no right or wrong. Listen, like whatever works at whatever time. But um, I do find it really like liberating, comforting for when artists share that because otherwise it just looks so glossy. Like you know, even me sometimes I'm like I just I'm just sharing music at the moment and I just share things that I just like to share when I look cute and music <laughs> <laughs> and other music that I love. To be real though, I, but. When I see other artists sharing that, it's so comforting because otherwise it can look really like a highlights reel. You know, like I'll post a picture of a gig, but I'm also doing like hours and hours of traveling and hours and hours of waiting before, you know? An admin. An admin, you know, like financially being an independent artist trying to tour the world. That's a fucking risk and trip, you know? Yeah. I mean, we don't need to get political, but in a fucking country that seems like it's hell-bent on making it as hard as possible, like, <laughs> fucking hell, man. For real. Yeah, it's a trip, man. It's a trip. Yeah. And, like, you know, but before I let you run here, I mean, yeah, as it has to be said, d- did I notice this right, that you'll be playing the Roundhouse literally tomorrow? I'm playing literally tomorrow. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm opening for Dave. And I'm going to play super stripped back tomorrow. Just me and my keys player, who's amazing, Sarah Tandy. We're just going to do a couple songs before Dave comes and lights up this. He's got a killer show planned tomorrow. So I can't wait to watch that. Yeah. Uh, For anyone listening who's unfamiliar with Roundhouse, it's one of the most important music venues in London. I've, I've been there when it's empty. I've never been there for a gig yet. I've been dying to go. But, like, talk about one of the most, again, important rooms. I mean... How the fuck do you feel about it? Um, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited now and then tomorrow. I've actually, I've, I've learned to curb it because the, the, the reaction of nerves and the reaction of excitement is the same physically for me. The same physical reaction. So I've learned to just trick my mind to be like, you're not nervous, you're excited. 
So um, at the moment I feel really excited. And then when it gets to sound check, I'm probably gonna feel a bit nervous. And then just before the show, my heart is probably gonna be in my throat. <laughs> but I'm, I, I'm nervous because I care. And, but ultimately it's just gonna be a great time because I'm amongst family, like I'm with Dave and all his lot. And I love them and he's so supportive. And sometimes you just have to get a grip on your nerves and be like, Dave is not gonna put you up there or ask you to do it if he thinks you're shit. So just like have a nice time. <laughs> Oh god, will this be your first time playing Raha? So I played once actually years ago. I played a support set for um Cinematic Orchestra, which was amazing. Oh, yeah, I love those guys. Like I've worked yeah. with them before and like their live shows are incredible. Incredible. Well. Like oh. so I know what that feels like, uh, in one sense, but it doesn't make it each show I still feel nervous, you know, I still feel like it's exciting. This to be playing there with Dave is super special. Yeah, and I should say, in case we're wondering, you're talking about Dave Okumo, which is legend, fucking legend. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, fuck. Well, I'm fucking well-pleased for you, and, like, I'm looking forward to you coming back to New York. Uh, I should just state, knowing that you're able to come the time you did, as well as, like, you know, South by Southwest, it means you definitely have to come again sometime this year, so that'll be a nice surprise. Um, Yeah. 100 100% I would hope to everything aligning I, I want to be there before the end of this year again and and play some more shows well, you, sure. bloody, you better bloody use up that visa like yeah so yeah. <laughs> they don't make I'm that shit get cheap. My money worth it. I'm gonna rip that <laughs> oh shit yes but thanks so much man it was really special thank you for taking the time to speak to me it was really really nice talking to you Thank you so much for checking this out. Be sure to subscribe to The New Exchange via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you stream podcasts. Until next time, thank you for listening.